0: Have you ever come across an odd myth, strange story, weird history, or something that just made you scratch your head and say to yourself, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about that? Well, you're in luck, and you're in the right place listening to the right podcast, because this is the story of... Yo, what's up, and welcome to the next episode of the Story of Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Mike.
1: I'm
2: Joe. I'm back. It's Joe, back for another one. Joe okay, bringing the bro it.
0: science. Welcome back, Joe. We missed you, man.
2: I know. It's been a minute, man. Work's crazy. It's yeah, been a crazy, uh, crazy quarter of work.
0: Joe comes back. I and promise
2: then... I did my research this time.
0: Good. All right. So it's not complete bro history. On this particular, can you episode.
2: feel me having one eyebrow up right now and giving you a snide look?
0: hmm I can. Absolutely. My
2: skeptical hippo eyes.
0: Yeah. So we got an awesome episode this week. I'm super psyched about this one. Uh, this this one I thought was really fun to do. And also, I don't know if anybody else picked up, but does anybody see uh, what's today's date? I did
1: see that. Was I was somebody would bring that up.
0: Yeah, man, I was on my way home Perfect and I'm like... timing! Yeah, man, so we are, 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 If you know, this episode will probably come out a lot later. Obviously, we will, we'll put it on cue, we'll put it in the bank, but we are recording this episode on January 6th, the two-year anniversary of the last insurrection uh, in the United States history, which brings us to the topic for tonight, one of the first insurrections in American history. This is a really, really terribly uh, scary topic and and it's one that i would i would venture to bet 98 to 99% of americans don't know about have no clue even happened which is the 1933 attempted coup of the united states government also known as the white house coup also known as the business plot also known as wall street trying to fuck over the united states once again so this was a a, a crazy episode or crazy topic to 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 research and so but if you guys don't mind i would like to kind of start us off with a recording
3: i appeared before the congressional committee the highest representation of american people under subpoena to tell what i knew of activities which i believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship the plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans to use as a bluff, or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institutions. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men which would be able to take over the functions of government. I talked with an investigator for this committee who came to me with a subpoena on Sunday, November 18th. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institutions. I want to retain the right to vote, the right to speak freely, and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press.
0: That, ladies and gentlemen, is Major General Smedley Butler. First off, can we uh, just—what a fucking name! That's awesome, Smedley. That's a fucking name, right? With a name like that, you have to become a war hero. I don't care. I don't think you have a choice in life, right? That's like if you're named Hercules, you got to be a big dude. So, Smedley Butler. I don't know. What do you? What? The hero of the story, obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. so I mean,
2: without him, the world could be different. Not just America. The world could and probably would be different without this man. Yeah. Without him having uh nicely saying a big old pair of uh, – you know what I'm talking about.
0: The balls. He had the balls to 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 turn this thing around. And, that, and that, I, I wanted to kind of discuss that towards the end because um, there is no – I don't know. It's impossible to say how far this would have gone – had Smedley Butler not done what he'd done, had he agreed to it? And we'll get we'll get into that at the end of the the discussion. But let's um let's just kind of start off with uh with with some of the main players. Did you guys come across any of the main people? Before, actually, before that, Mike, go ahead. I was to say
4: I think what we should do is we should kind of talk about what exactly happened, mm-hmm. and then after that, I think we should bring the players of who was involved. Okay. Where they kind of fit into the
0: pieces of it all. Can I start with something a little bit before that? Do you guys mind? Go for it. Listen. Right. What's happening? Context. What is taking place in the world around this time? Did anybody come up, do any research into that? What's what's happening in, in around the world at that time? It's 1933. Yes. You got a lot of stuff going on. Hitler is just appointed the Chancellor of Germany. So he is uh, brand new to the scene. Engelbert Dolphus, what a name. He dissolves the Austrian parliament, and he, he, he becomes a dictator and the, the chancellor of Austria. You got Alejandro Leroux. He comes to in, uh, power in the Spanish general election. You have – you've got this insurgency of, you know, this, this Mussolini is in Italy. You've got this, this rise of fascism taking place all over the world. And it's 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 a uh, a very very interesting time period in in world history. So that is that is part of our our background and our context. Mike, go ahead. Mike. So I have a question for you, Dan. What can you tell us all? What exactly is fascism?
4: Mm, fascism, yes, please. <laughs> If you are looking for a straight definition of fascism oh, I have a straight definition if you'd like, but i would like I'd like your
0: definition i would I, let me I, I it's a very difficult thing to define so let me let me get yours and then then I'll put my two cents in afterwards so it's a far right mm-hmm. um, authori- authorita-
4: authoritarian authoritarian gonna- authoritarian that's it uh nationalist Political, ideal, and movement characterized by a dictator um, leading a centralized, autocratic, militarism, forcible suppression of an opposition. Absolutely. Um,
0: Very much leading, misogynistic as well.
4: Oh, yes. Uh, sub- subordination of individual interests for the perceived good of the nation and the race and a stronger regimented uh, reg- regimentation of society and the economy. Yes, absolutely. So it's all about
0: your country is first. Yes, and that's where the ultra-nationalism comes in. So you've got yes. patriotism. Patriotism is rah-rah. I root for my, 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 my country during the Olympics. Yay, go USA! Then it's there's, there's nationalism. We're at number one, USA, USA, right? And then when you have unbridled, unchecked nationalism. Right, This ultra-nationalism that creates and establishes sort of this view of you are better than everybody else simply because you are from where you are from. And thus, you are creating this idea of superiority. And that's where we get into the Aryan race. And there are ultra-nationalists in every country. I mean, we have them here in the United States where people believe truly that they are better than other people in the world simply because they're from the United States. So, yeah, your definition nailed it. There's a lot of other points to it. Sure, there's usually the us versus them portion of it as well, where all of the country's problems don't come from the people who are really the real citizens, right? It comes from the others, the ones that are coming in through the border, the ones that are coming in. They don't look like the rest of us. That is also a major part. Right uh, of the of the the fascist model there, but yeah, I think you nailed it. Benito Benito Mussolini's fascism was different than Hitler's fascism, which was different than yeah. Franco's fascism in in Spain. You know, but yeah, you, I think you hit it. I think you nailed it pretty well. That was good. Yeah, I got I got that one right from my buddy Webster.
1: I want to revisit that question because I don't want to give away the story, but I I kind of have a question similar to Mike. Okay. about why this is beneficial to our story. Okay. Okay. So, we'll back
0: to that. fascism though we got to understand in the 1930s, fascism is. We've gotten to the end of the story of World War II. We 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 know how that story ends, right? In 1930s, people don't know how the story ends, and fascism is viewed very very differently than how we view fascism today. Fascism at that time is like this. It's like a a a a brotherhood through the military that's born out of the trenches, right? And they are very, very distrustful of politicians. There's a glorification of violence. There's a glorification of of speed and movement. And and that is both military and and economically wise. And the major, the major, major, major tenant to fascism is the absolute hatred of communism. That's the thing. And in the 1930s, You've got major movements of unions. Unions are huge in the 1930s. And un- unions come from, they are very, very, very closely linked to socialism. And it's, its you know, right then and there, you go back to where, you know, Hitler and the Reichstag fire and all that stuff, and he, he blames the socialists and the communists, right? USSR is, is a big fucking power and all that type of shit. So, anyways, yes, uh, fascism is not... People are still figuring fascism out. So fascism is looked at as almost like a solution to a lot of problems rather than a, a big problem of white supremacy the way that we look at it today. Does that make sense?
1: Well, yeah, and I think you have to differentiate the racism from the political standpoint, because nowadays you say fascism, people automatically think Hitler and stuff like that. And it's very hard to distinguish, like, what is the governmental reasoning for fascism aside from the racist connotations of it? That's a Fasc- whole different thing. Yes,
0: absolutely. Because when people – you're absolutely right. When people think of fascism, you think of goose-stepping Nazis, right, with with, uh, with armbands. And, and in the 1930s, that's not what people thought. When people yeah. thought of the 1930s and fascism, they thought about it as a way to get out of an economic depression. And they saw a lot what Hitler was doing in the 1930s. When when the world descended upon Germany in 1936 for the Olympics, they saw a thriving society and a thriving Economy. They didn't see a lot of shit was hidden, but what they saw was this major industrial nation. And they were like, holy shit, while the rest of the world is in this depression, you've got this fascist government. What the fuck are they doing? Because whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And it became very, you know, it was very tantalizing for a lot of countries to then look into this and look at, all right, well, what the damn, dude, these Nazis are, well, the Nazis are onto something. What are they doing? Later on, it becomes a little bit more clear
1: later on we found out what they were doing a yeah. lot a lot more than they were saying yeah yeah
0: you can make the argument that a lot of people knew what they were doing beforehand but just kind of turned that blind eye you know which was i think did we do that on the idioms turn the blind eye
4: no that's a good no, one we did that one. we did talk about no. that i i don't know we, i
0: i read up on that one that was um that comes from oh God, a british naval oh, commander save it. save it yeah we'll, we'll <laughs> save it save it for part two Idioms part two. Idioms part two. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm calling for it. That was a good one. All right. <laughs> so what happened? Funny. What is what? What's the what's the story? What's the 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 lead up like? What is it? What what what's the the beginning to this this whole thing? Who's got it? Um, when I you guys like, want to take like, it, I feel like I'm in it. class. I'm waiting for somebody to fucking. Well,
1: in. in I don't know the 19. When did? FDR get elected, Mr. Smith, you're the teacher there. Jesus. Uh, It's right after Hoover, so it's like 1930,
0: 1931.
1: All right, so FDR is elected, and he's bringing a promise of revitalizing the country, and he has this thing called the New Deal, and the New Deal 1931, he comes in,
0: 1932, I apologize. There you go.
1: 1932, okay. So we are in the Depression, the Great Depression in the United States- And FDR comes in with promises of revitalizing the country, of fixing the Depression, um, making new jobs, this and that. And one major thing he does is he takes the U.S. economy off of the gold standard. And a lot of people did not like that. So that's how our story starts.
0: Yes. And by a lot of people, we mean Wall Street. Wall Street was (laughs) particularly upset with that. The New Deal... Was meant it was a large series well, was a large amount of agencies that the government's going to create that's going to essentially put their hands into every form of the United States economy and try to rebuild and farmers subsidies and creating all of these stuff and it's uh, essentially it's socialism for lack of a better term in a very simplified manner and socialism is not good for Wall Street. Socialism is the complete antithesis of Wall Street, right? Wall Street is untethered capitalism at this point. You don't want social or economic socialism. At least the the uh, the 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 Wall Street bankers don't, you know. And and let's not you know remember though, 1929, the the stock market you know market crashes and sends the United States into this depression. And where does it, it all starts? Fucking Wall Street, right? With Wall Street. Yeah. So the United States government's trying to get us out of it, and Wall Street's like, "Nope," because all these people, the heads of Wall Street, man, their money's tucked away, bro. They they're good, they're okay, they ain't got nothing to worry about. It's a common man, right? That's gonna you know to worry about shit. What so what
4: happened because of the the New Deal and the unsettledness
0: that was created by uh, by that movement? Okay, so we got the gold standard. I think that was a big thing, right? The new stand—the uh, the New Deal, obviously—is—is. Is, I mean, people are still arguing about it today. Did the New Deal actually help the United States get out of the depression? Most people will tell you, no, not really. World War II was the main thing that got the United States out of the depression. But the gold standard, at least I found, seemed to be the biggest thing that ticked off Wall Street, and uh, yeah. it, it going yeah. off the gold standard it gives the government. Essentially, what it does is it, it no longer links money to gold and gold no longer backs up American currency and thus giving the government the ability to steer the economy, right? Adjust interest rates, uh, adjust the amount of money that is in the economy, right? So it could inflate the economy quite a bit and that is not good for Wall Street. Going off the gold standard is going to destroy or hurt their return on inflated money uh when they were backing it with gold it's going to hurt their their bottom line and that as far as i could see that was what i found to be the thing that that really ticked them off the most so we've got the new deal you've got the gold standard you've got all of this stuff happening the wall street fuckers are are not are not happy with this Joe, are you there, That's Joe?
2: Perfect. Yeah, that sounds, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm partaking in uh,
0: education right now. <laughs> it sounds good. All right. So now, I think one other really for, for
2: Im- people who have have listened when I was around more often, they know what that
0: means. Yes, mm-hmm. Joe's coming Joe, from me. Joe's about the bro science this shit. So, <laughs> one more piece of background info. I think that we need to talk about is something called the Bonus Army. You guys come across the Bonus Army at all?
1: Yes, that yeah. I found this very, very interesting. All right,
0: and, Joe, you want to take a yeah. go? Uh,
1: well, the, the the World War One veteran bonus was a uh, a bond that the United States government gave to World War One vets when they came back, and um, <clears throat> I found that the prices of the bonds quite interesting for the nineteen thirties. You were given one dollar for each day of service that you were stateside. And $1.25 for each day of service overseas. Hmm. Max, max amount, though, of $500 or $625, which by today's standards is about $8,000. I was going to say so, adjusted for inflation That was today, your bonus yeah. from the government. Wow. Yeah, from, from fighting in one of the worst wars the, in history. Up to that the point, government the worst was war. was going to give you that one. Mo- like, the worst yeah, war, yeah. That, that up to
0: that point in time, that was the worst war ever fought yeah. on Earth. It's eight grand. There you go.
1: Make it even worse for them. It was a bond. It wasn't even a cash payout. They they gave it to you and they said you have to wait twenty years to cash this in. And they were given this before the depression. As the depression hit, the vets all rose up and said, "Yo, we need to cash these in. Like we need our money now. We need. We can't eat. We can't pay mortgages and rents and whatever else." So the bonus army was the name of the uprising of the World War I vets who marched on Washington peacefully and were declaring to get their, their pay, for their back yeah. pay for their service.
0: And they set up essentially an Occupy movement. They, they, they occupied the area around uh, the, the Capitol. And so for 11 days, right, they, they lived there. They set up tents and they, they, they pulled an Occupy Wall Street. Until they got their their money, but that's not how it ended. Joe, you, how did it end, Joe?
1: And, and nobody stormed the Capitol during all that time. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. They were able to protest for that long without breaking windows they and doors. They did not feel the but... need
0: to kick in the doors. And so after 11 days, U.S. Attorney General William D. Mitchell orders them to be removed. And the removal process is not very peaceful. That's where things kind of got a little less peaceful and so they they burn a lot of the camps and and kind of burn them out and and kick the shit out of them but before these guys uh are are removed they have a very special guest speaker and that ladies and gentlemen is who General Butler Yeah, General Major General Smedley Butler Major Buck. General Major General Smedley Butler comes in and he's a speaker at this he he's a a fervent Public advocate against capitalist exploitation, especially of soldiers. And he goes to a whole bunch of different Bonus Army marches, and he speaks to them quite a bit. And uh, he he becomes almost like they're the face right of the Bonus Army, and he's a very very well respected man at at that time. He's the most the most decorated Marine of all time. The dude had two medals of Honors. That's a that and that's a, a good ally to have on your side. And so that is the introduction to our the hero of our, our story, Smedley Butler. So, what do we? Uh, where you guys want to go next with this? Unless you have anything else, we have anything else we want to uh, um, uh, add in there? I think we could.
4: Maybe we should back up a little bit and talk sure. about. I don't know if you guys read about uh, Gerald McGuire.
0: Oh yeah. So we do. We want to go mm-hmm. into the main players. I think so. I mean, so I mean,
4: essentially, what we discussed before is that you know Smedley Butler kind of calls him out all the bullshit that's going on, and it's pretty much saying to the general public, everyone knows that the whole story of what was going on behind the scenes, and how they were trying to overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. And I think, at this point now, how did we get there? What happened yeah. that really got us to that point? And I think General McGuire is a very
0: big player in that.
1: Was he the one that went overseas? He was yes. in France and
0: stuff? So. Okay. Th- and it's, his name is Jerry Maguire. That's actually really yeah. interesting. Perfect. Yeah, I didn't think. I didn't Who's think. coming with me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Show
0: me the fascism. Come on, baby. <laughs> Who's coming with me?
4: Joe was waiting for that.
0: So, so Mike, do you want to lead us in with uh, with a little Jerry Maguire info? Um. Yeah, I could do that.
4: So, Gerald Maguire, he uh, lived in Connecticut. He was a man who worked on Wall Street and he had made some pretty good coin and lived a very nice, comfortable life. He decided to travel and go to Italy and go to Germany and to study how these veterans Mm -hmm. actually came together to help promote fascism and to overthrow the governments that are there and put these. Guys into power, such as Mussolini, such as Hitler, and it was all directed essentially by the veterans that really were the ones that helped make that happen
0: because they were so unhappy with the way they were being treated, and and that that becomes the central core of the plan. Right, the plan is to get the veterans to essentially become the 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 army that's going to lead the coup, and at this time period. There are, there are more veterans in the country than soldiers. So in their mind, it, it should be a, a pretty easy coup to kind of roll up right, and take what they want.
1: They said something like 500,000 veterans, I think. Like half a million veterans. So yeah, they
0: about 500,000 veterans at the time. Now, at this time, we don't have a professional army. So we, you know, it, we don't get the professional army until after Vietnam. So yeah, having about 500,000 veterans, that's a shit ton of veterans right there. So
4: McGuire, upon returning, he gets in contact and meets with Butler. And what he promises him is um, that he's got $50 million at his disposal to spend on this whole process. And the American Legion would be able to support five hundred thousand. 500,000 troops and vehicles to help make this all come about. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a man that was involved with trying to
0: overthrow the government. Yeah. And, and he does it in a way where the first couple of meetings, he doesn't come out right away and say, hey, we're going to overthrow the government. You win? He asks them, hey, do you want to run for like be the leader of the American Legion? And was that? that? I said, Ooh, I didn't find that. He's really, really kind of coy about it and doesn't really go into it at first. And Butler's kind of a little suspicious and he's like, ah, I don't really know. And then he starts saying, Look, we want you to go out and speak about how bad the gold standard, or coming off the gold standard is. And then that's when the red flags come up with Butler. And Butler's like, Whoa, that has nothing to do with veterans. That's not a veterans issue. Why is the goal the veterans issue? That's not a veterans issue. That's a Wall Street issue. And so Smedley Butler's a very smart man. He's a very, very smart man. And we'll get into that in a little bit of why he's the absolute worst person to have asked to lead this coup. Like, it, it was, he's the fucking worst guy. Like, if anybody, you're going to get to do it. That was not the guy. But you're right, though, Mike, because eventually he's going to spill the beans. And he's going to say, look, man, we got $50 million. It could support everybody's travel, everything we need. We've got corporations lined up. We've got people in place. And they also offer to pay for uh, Butler's mortgage to be paid and to send his kids off to college as well. Like, your family will be taken care of. Don't worry if you agree to this.
3: I
1: don't remember what the connection was exactly, but I heard that. Um, Remington Arms was also involved in this, so so they had money and they also had weapons, and Remington was going to supply weapons too.
0: Did anybody come across John Sterling Clark? I don't remember. I remember seeing the name. I don't remember what it was. He is the heir. Anybody here of Singer Singer uh, sewing machines? Oh, he is yep, the heir yep. to the Singer sewing machine. Empire. So he was a super, super rich guy. He actually served with Smedley Butler in World War I and was known as the Millionaire Lieutenant. So this guy Sterling, everybody called him Sterling, he had approximately around 30 million dollars at the time. He was an art collector. He had houses in America and France and, you know, he has all this shit. He's real really, you know, super rich dude. What got him, again, was the gold standard. Once the gold standard was gone, that's what he he was infuriated. So that is what pushes him to get in on this whole plot. And he was uh, quoted as saying multiple times, I will spend half of my fortune to save the other half. So this dude was willing to throw in 15 mil behind this whole thing just to save his other 15 mil. And he was like, yo, man, I will absolutely pay these retired soldiers, I will pay for transportation. Whatever it takes, I got money, and let's do it. So Sterling is another big player uh in this this whole saga. Next, who do we got? What what other people we got? I got I got a list. I'm I'm this is this was my yeah, I, wasn't,
2: wasn't JP Morgan, JP this Morgan also? his
0: bank. He had bankers bankers from JP Morgan were absolutely in on this one. Hundred percent, yes. Uh, Morgan was the main bank that was behind it. Uh, a little bit about uh, General Smedley Butler. He's known as the the fighting the fighting Quaker, which is kind of a um, oxymoron in a way. <laughs> he, the crazy part about this is Smedley Butler. He hates fascists. He absolutely hates fascists, which is one of the reasons. And he hates exploitation by by capitalists. So it's like. Is the worst guy that you could have asked to do this. He was a well-respected general, and people would have listened to him. But morally and having you know, standards, he's the worst guy you could have gone for this. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just a terrible, terrible idea. Later on, he's going to write a book called "War Is Racket," and I have a um, I have a a, a quote from that book. He says, "In World War One, a mere handful." Garnered the profits of the conflict. At least 21,000 new millionaires and billionaires were made in the United States during the war. How many of these war millionaires shouldered a rifle? The, the general public shoulders the bill. And what is the bill? Newly placed gravestones, mangled bodies, shattered minds. For a great many years as a soldier, I had a suspicion that war was a racket. Not until I retired to civil life did I fully realize it. Now that I see the international war clouds gathering as they are today, I must face it and speak out. And that isn't a book that, that he wrote about war. So it's a very interesting take that Smedley Butler has yeah. on war. He he's almost like a Eisenhower when Eisenhower talks about beware of the military industrial complex, somebody that was on the inside and saw it, you know what I mean? Very yeah. you know so again, probably the worst guy to uh to bring on board with this. Did anybody come across the name Prescott Bush? Oh, I, I, was, did. I did. Dude, that was
2: my neck. That was my neck. All person. right, Joe,
0: you, Joe, 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 Joe Brentwood. Joe, do you want to talk about Prescott Bush?
2: No, oh, I was just uh, another name that I that had popped up to me. I didn't. I didn't get to uh, investigate mm. what his role was in this, but it was very enlightening. I'm like, wait, hold on. We're talking about like Papa Grandfather Bush yes, over here, like yeah. All American Family Bush. Oh, and the then, Bush uh, dynasty! The Bush dynasty! Bush. Bush. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. like yeah. George Bush's grandfather was one of the main players in uh, approaching Smedley yes. Butler with this idea. So he was behind the scenes, and then it seems like Morgan uh, Maguire Butler. Um, you don't find Bush's name on the first website mm-hmm. you look at. Find. Uh, researching this the first five websites don't talk about prescott bush you got to get to like websites (laughs) 10 12 Uh, like it's not highly talked about that he was even involved in this you know all american the all-american bush family not the beer no
0: not now because there's there's a c not those there's a c in that beer (laughs) yeah so mike what was some of the stuff you you came (laughs) across with with prescott bush
4: no i it's funny i didn't really go too Mm. far into him and i wish That's i did um but i did <laughs> <laughs> nice i did see that he had a lot of involvement also with the nazi party and i was like fuck i'm like i want to read more into him like i feel like there is a lot to talk about with this man and i did not touch it for this topic i'm like i think we should really tackle him later yeah
0: on. he's he's a serious for candidate topic. for He's interesting yeah for a topic itself, Prescott Bush is definitely a, a a serious candidate. There is a lot of talk of Prescott Bush being involved in the Kennedy assassination as well as being one of the people that were also present during that time period. So, some of the things that we got about, I got about Bush is that he was a director and shareholder of the Brown Brothers Harriman B.B.H. That is a firm that acts actually as the U.S. base for a German industrialist named Fritz Thyssen. And this guy Fritz Thyssen is the dude that helps finance Hitler in the 1930s. He has a a falling out with him at the end of the decade. But Bush is there as, a again, a director and a shareholder of a lot of companies that are not only going to bankroll the Nazis, but they're going to make a shit ton, a fuckload of money off of the Nazis. And so there's a lot of speculation that the Bush family dynasty's money comes from uh, a lot of dealings with the Nazis. And so this guy is, is yeah. you know, there's not much in there. He ends up becoming a United States senator after this as well. He's going to be a senator. And he is uh, very much a a cutthroat businessman that will essentially bankroll, I don't know, a country that kills millions of people if it's going to line his pockets a little bit. So Prescott Bush, like I said, he deserves, that dude's got to fucking, he's got to get a a... a a a a episode of himself i mean for himself It's fucking crazy this guy there's evidence that shows bush where is he in the timeline he's one of the behind the the scenes players so he's one of the people
1: no i mean in, i'm sorry in the bush family he's like, so he is he's, um, he, HW's, he's, he's father HW's, hw's father HW's yes he's
0: hw's father and he's and he's w's okay. grandfather yeah there's also think listen to this shit Gotcha. he was there was a 60, uh sorry, there was a civil action lawsuit for damages uh, brought in by German laborers at Auschwitz. And they sued the Bush family uh because of their involvement in, in Auschwitz and the Nazi party. And so the Bush family was actually sued by survivors of Auschwitz because of their involvement when people found out later on. 60 years later, a lot of this paperwork comes out and people find out and they were like, yo, fuck you, man. And you know they use that to That's turn it into some oil tycoon shit. And so he is, yeah. you know, he's a, he was on the board of at least one company that formed uh, part of a national, a multinational network of front companies to allow Thiessen, that guy Thiessen, to move assets around the world. And in fact, he uh, one of his companies is actually shut down in uh, for for violating a uh, like a working with the enemy act in like 1942 43. Because the United States government was like, bro, you, you can't do fucking business with the fucking Nazis. We're fighting them. We have soldiers there. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And so he also had a link to – it was called uh, CSSC. It was the Consolidated Silesian Steel Company. And that is a uh, a mineral uh, – it's based in mineral-rich Silesia. It's on the, the German-Polish border. And during the war – that company made use of Nazi slave labor from the concentration uh, concentration camps, including Auschwitz, which is where that that uh, that that lawsuit comes from. So Bush had his hands directly in the pockets of Nazis and back and forth. So he's another uh, individual that is also involved. Then the, you got the American Liberty League, which is essentially the name that this whole group kind of gave itself. It's like the the shell name. For all of them? Then the membership, do you guys come across the membership of the American Liberty League?
4: No, I did. I did have the uh, Liberty League on there, but I didn't go into
0: them.
1: One name I saw was the DuPont. Yes. Group, the big uh, the chemical company.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the DuPont Corporation, including Irene DuPont. Um, you've got Democratic Party candidates from the 1924 and 1928 elections, John Davis and Al Smith. So you've got people that were in FDR's own party. Several associated uh, people associated with J.P. Morgan, including a man named Thomas Lamont. Does anybody know who Thomas Lamont is? I'll take that as a note. Thomas Lamont is the great grandfather of the current Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont. So Connecticut's great grandfather was also involved in the coup. <laughs> this shit gets fucking great, man. Love this.
1: This is getting a little it's scary nuts. now. Maybe, uh, maybe we need to censor ourselves I, 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 that, here.
0: We might get a knock on the door. There was also...
1: Yeah, somebody might join this well, chat. Soon. Jay, you already...
0: Uh, Jay. Joe, you already said you were on the FBI list from, from your research, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I went to watch a video, it said beforehand... I must have been in incognito mode on my um, browser. Don't ask why. And uh, it, it said uh, <laughs> he was on YouTube... Himself. You cannot watch videos anonymously, and Google will uh, have this information. That's basically, that's fucked up, man. It's
0: funny, you can you, watch you porn, can but you can't watch, watch that porn and incognito. So I've heard, and but you know, you. <laughs> I mean, that's what you can't thing. watch a YouTube video. though. I can't do that. So we also got a guy named Grayson Murphy. He's the director of Goodyear Tire, Anaconda Copper, and yes. Bethlehem Steel. And then, as I think it was uh, uh Joey, Joey Camps had said before, the weapons and the am- ammunition were going to be supplied by Remington, the Remington Arms Company, which had just been taken over by the DuPont Corporation. And last but not least, we got General Motors. The CEO of General Motors, Alfred P. Sloan, is also in on it. Now, this guy... In August, uh, this is a quote I found, uh, uh, it says, August 1938, a Senior Executive for General Motors, James D. Mooney, received the Grand Cross of the German Eagle for his distinguished service to the Reich. Nazi Armaments Chief Albert Speer told a congressional investigator that Germany could not have attempted its September 1939 blitzkrieg of Poland without the performance-boosting additive technology provided by Alfred P. Sloan and General Motors. So that is the American Liberty League, the irony of Jesus. that American Liberty League working with the Nazis.
1: It just sounds like a fascist organization. It does. <laughs> the American Liberty League. It sounds like a bunch well, of Well, like fascists. the
0: Patriot Front. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the same yeah. shit. You know, it's this, it's this same fucking fascist name, right, that you're going to try to make it sound real, 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 you know, real American. Make it sound... Like, yeah, yeah. When you get something exactly. that is so pro-American like that, the first thing that comes to my mind is that they're fucking fascists. <laughs> it's just not. That's they're white supremacists. That sounds, yeah. that sounds very <laughs> fascist, right? The Proud Boys, yeah, that's fascist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 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 kind of goes away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, as we had stated earlier, so the plot. Now, now we've got the we we know the main players. The plot we we talked about. It's this idea that they are going to. You know, Joe had uh, at Joe. You were talking about it. They were going to try to oust him, yes, and try to just uh, uh, not necessarily. Well, Joe came across a murder plot and the ousting plot. So, so Joe, you got us on that one.
2: The original uh, basic idea was to approach nicely, ask him to leave and um, resign as president. They didn't necessarily want to take the White House or Congress by force, but also show hey there's half a million of us over here you might want to you might want to walk out and apparently there was another plot that if he would not peacefully walk away there was a plot to also assassinate if necessary that's a little more tinfoil hat i didn't see it on many many uh i didn't see it in many places but i did come across it in one video and i was like oh so i mean if if you
0: if you can't uh join yep. him kill him you know and there was also there were there was there was talk about allowing him to stay the president but kind of just keep him as a figurehead and just allow him to kind of yeah yeah and so there's a quote that i came across from McGuire. That says the president, and I quote, the president will go around and christen babies and dedicate bridges and kiss children. The real power of the government would be held in the hands of a secretary of general affairs who would be, in effect, a dictator, somebody to take over the details of office, take them off the president's shoulders, a a sort of super secretary, end quote. And so there was this idea, this, this kind of plan to keep them there. So that the people didn't necessarily know there was a hostile takeover of the United States government, where they still see FDR, and to them, it's still America, but not really as well. So that was that was another plan, and I wouldn't be, I, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, really, really showed opposition to it that they wouldn't put him down. I, I wouldn't. Sh- You're rolling up with five hundred thousand troops who are armed. You know what I mean? Like, do you think killing the president at that point was going to be, like, a big worry to them? Probably not. You know? Like, you get...
1: Well, I think, I mean, they also said, you mentioned the the secretary position. That was what Butler's... That's why Butler was tapped. He he was going to be the dictator. They wanted him to lead the rise up of the veterans, take over uh, the government, and then he would be instilled as the dictator while Roosevelt remained uh, the figurehead, like you said. Um, that's what I read about it, too. I didn't read about the assassination plot because I kept thinking that, too. Like, what were they going to do? But you're right. You roll up with half a million veterans. You know, I, I at that point, I don't think there's really much option. But
4: Did you guys come across who they wanted to put in place as the dictator? Well, I
0: read a, a differing accounts. So I read accounts that Joe Camp had just talked about where Butler would be put into place. And I also read about a guy named um, Hugh Johnson. That's funny. Yeah. I just got that. His name is I just, him. Hugh, Hugh Johnson. <laughs> I mean, that just, I just,
4: Hugh Johnson. I did just on me now. <laughs> Imagine him walking into the room and trying to say that with the street face, and, and here today is Mister Hugh, Hugh Johnson. You know
0: what his middle initial was? <laughs> it was
4: okay. it was S S Hugh
0: U S U Hugh, S-, Hugh S-, S-, Hugh S-, Hugh S Johnson. Johnson. <laughs>
2: Hugh Samuel yes.
0: Johnson. Hugh Desh huh? Johnson. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yes, the jokes. It does, it does so man. That I one know. just writes us out. And Johnson, he actually was in the military. He he served on FDR's board. He was the yeah. the, uh, the the leader of the National yeah. Relief Association. He was a big guy, but apparently was. Not allowed to run. It was—I don't want to say demoted, but he was kind of backburnered on the NRA, not the National Rifle Association, but the National Relief Association, and that pissed him off. He was a real. Recovery. Say that again. It's the National Recovery. Ah, uh, uh, yes, not association administration. Yes, and so he was, from what I understand, a a, a very uh, uh, temperamental individual, and could fly off. Was a, a bit of a drinker as well, and kind of not—he uh, was a little bit of a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you know, if he didn't get what he wanted, and even though he was there with with FDR, when he wasn't allowed to administer the NRA the way that he wanted to, I be- I it wouldn't shock me that this guy would be like, yo, fuck this guy. And, you know, he was actually, FDR said one of the reasons why he shouldn't, I'm sorry, one of his former bosses told FDR one of the reasons why he shouldn't administer the nra was because he was uh too impulsive that was one of the the issues that he brought up with fdr right and now if you think about it and what's so what's the next thing would you be shocked if a man was said yeah you know, they say don't don't hire that guy he's too impulsive so then they don't and then he joins a coup that's not surprising yeah <laughs> surprise <laughs> i'll show you, you know it. what I mean? like it's a little impulsive <laughs> you know like so <laughs> yeah you know,
2: I'm taking my ball and that's joining it, coup. right?
0: I'm going to take yeah. my ball and go to fucking Nazi Germany. You know, like that's uh, <laughs> that, it that's not a shocking, you know, obviously that's, that's pure speculation, but that wouldn't really, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, that works. But, you know, and, and here we get into the idea. So now anybody else have any other, the, the other main players? Cause that, that's about all the main players that I, I got out of it. Yeah. Right. We, we cover them so all. I think at
4: quite a bit. I've got a good story about Smedley Butler and Mussolini Ooh. that I think we should go back to at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's a great story. With the child? That's a great, great yeah, story. Yeah, with the kid?
4: You want to do that now? You Fuck want to it, go it now.
0: Let's, let's, it kind of goes into the yeah. idea of why, why he hates fascists. He fucking hates them. So, go, yeah, go ahead. Right, right. All right. So
4: um, – Think he was out. He was talking. He was making. Uh, he was talking about some of the stuff that he's seen and some of the things that he's come across in time. And one of the stories he had told. Let me see if I can find exactly where I have it. Um, hold on. Get your life. Oh, so away. in nineteen. So <laughs> it's all over the place here. <laughs> all right, so in 1931, he was to be court-martialed saying about uh, Mussolini's Italy that he runs it as a mad dog nation, yes. and because of those things that were said, Mussolini was kind of like, "Yo, you know, get rid of this mm-hmm. guy. He's, this guy's nothing but trouble." And the reason being is because of the story that was told, but from a friend that was with Mussolini driving in a car, who's also friends with Smedley Butler. And tells Smedley Butler the story about how they're driving through the countryside in Italy. And in fact, he does run down a child in the road. Does not even stop. Continues. His friend told him the story about how he screamed when he heard and felt the child's body underneath the car being crushed. And from what what i was reading and he said this is actually a quote from um butler my friend screamed as the child's body was crushed under the wheels of the machine mussolini put his hand on my friend's knee and said it was only one life Jeez. the government of italy denied the story yeah
0: for years yep now the cool uh, now the i what i found to be the most badass part of that story was he was going to be court-martialed, but he agreed. He said, "Look, I'll just, I'll, I'll take a reprimand instead." And because of his status in the U.S. United the United States military, they said, "Fine." He actually was the one that had to write the reprimand for himself. So. He's- Like, how fucking cool is that? Like, that's, yeah, man, anytime I see that, I'm going to, that's a Smedley Butler, I'm going to call that. You know what I mean? I got it. I'll I'll do my own right up. I got you. Don't worry about it. Like, that's fucking cool. That that shows how much prestige and respect that this man had, you know, in the military. But yeah, dude, when he told the story, and now this is the early 30s. So again, fascism, the United States wasn't against fascism. You can't insult another leader like that. And so when you tell a story like that, that's not, it's very uncouth. That's not a good look on foreign policy at that point. So, yeah, you know, and that was, it sounds like, sounds like Mussolini. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, yeah, yeah. that sounds like a a Mussolini thing to do, you know. And and seems maybe it's one of the reasons why the Italian people exacted the revenge upon him that they did, which was pretty fucking brutal. You know what I
4: mean? I I got a question for you. What do you think the repercussions would be nowadays if any world leader had just done what Mussolini did?
0: It depends on. I think honestly, it just depends on where they do it, right? If you look at Saudi, well,
1: I don't think a world leader is driving himself either. That's no, what I mean. well,
4: that's well. I mean, talk about semantics,
0: that is Joe. Semantics, upper class, and wealth. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Play along. That's Joe. the Come part on. you pick up on. <laughs> if he wouldn't be fucking driving himself. That's a, all right, the so story's it,
4: poppycock. Goes in the car with a world leader.
0: What <laughs> a, a bunch of poppycock. That's no good. No, no, that's The story's kerfluffle. No, I, I. well, let's think of it this way uh, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by the Saudi Arabian prince and literally cut into pieces and transported out of a hotel by a piece of luggage. And we all know exactly what happened. I mean, what are you going to go arrest the fucking prince of Saudi Arabia? If you don't have a, a justice system in a country that's going to hold their officials accountable, they can do whatever the fuck they want. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. I, I mean, so what? The guy takes a couple of hits on social media. Well, guess what? His people in his country can't be on social media. So, you know, the fuck he are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like He's
1: still got a billion billion. Yeah, I mean.
0: and that's the sad part. You know what I mean? Like that's and, and then, you know, Jared and Ivanka made a couple billion off of those guys as well, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything. But, you know, it, it's it's yeah, I mean, you would I would like to think in 2023 that if a world leader were to do that today, that there would be some sort of repercussions. But, you know, I. Yeah, I, I mean, you
4: mentioned
0: a gentleman that was
4: mutilated, but we're talking about a mm-hmm. child who who in their right mind could just do that to some innocent child. That's player? where you get it
0: wrong. He wasn't in his right mind. He was a fascist. You know what I mean? He's not in his right mind, you know? And that's
2: the... Same person that would kill millions of people, some being children, but I mean,
0: to be so blatant as to be involved in it is another level of So let's take it a step further. What people would actually say, you know what? That guy's got it together. Let's, let's model some <laughs> shit off of that guy. Let's yeah. let's work with him. Yeah. That's well, go a back guy. To the list there probably. Yeah. exactly right. And that's a person I think we should follow. But you know, let's be honest too. You know, we we heard Trump say, you know, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and people would still vote for me. I think he's correct. I think he's a hundred percent correct. You know, when people when he first said it, people yeah. scoffed. I 100% correct. I I don't think he was wrong. I don't think he was, I think when he said it he absolutely believed it and I think the rest of us just weren't in on the joke and and you know what I'm saying he was fucking right. That dude could legitimately shoot somebody in the fucking head and and on 5th Avenue and I don't think he would lose his base. I don't think so. You know, it's that cult of personality. And and that's
1: Well, he did try to overthrow the government, well, a few years you ago know. And- He's got even more but, yeah, followers, so, uh, but according yeah.
0: to a lot of people, he didn't. So he didn't. You know, again, yeah, yeah. like today they had a uh, they had a couple of um, memorials. I believe one Republican actually showed up. One out of the all, which is I'm not shocked anymore. But anyway, so let's let's get back to the story. Yeah. So,
1: well, I want to go back to my question from earlier. Yeah, yeah, go. question. Now that the the story's out, so the the plot of this story is these capitalists want to overthrow the government to instill a fascist yes. dictator because it's going to help yes. them. So my question is for the history teacher here, I, get a lot of, I feel a lot of pressure. What there. is beneficial? What is beneficial about a fascist government for big business? Cause to me that doesn't because make sense.
0: Because a fascist government is going to be a government that is very, very closely linked with big corporations. In other words, they are going to be protected by the government. And so, especially if the fascist government that they want to put into place, again, look what is happening in Germany at that time, right? There is massive industrialization happening in Germany at that time. So the industrialists in the United States want that. They want the government to be sanctioning these massive building projects and thus, you know, hiring out these contracts. Plus... The whole thing is going off of the gold standard and helping out the middle class with the the New Deal, which it at its very core, again, is a socialist program. And what we talked about before, socialism is you know, there's a let me let me read you this quote. Harry Truman had an amazing quote on socialism. Anybody ever hear that quote before? So this comes from the Harry Truman Library. It was a, a it was in his remarks in Syracuse, New York on October tenth, nineteen fifty-two. He says this Socialism is a scare word that they have hurled at every advance the people have made in the last 20 years. Socialism is what they call public power. Socialism is what they call social security. Socialism is what they call farm price supports. Socialism is what they call bank deposit insurance. Socialism is what they call the growth of free and independent labor organizations. Socialism is their name for almost anything that helps all the people when the republican candidate inscribes the slogan down with socialism on the banner of his great crusade that is really not what he means at all what he really means is down with progress down with franklin roosevelt's new deal and down with harry truman's fair deal that's all he means and so that that's truman's view of socialism and that's essentially why fascism also hates it because fascism is an autocratic form of government in which it is one sole purpose. The, the autocratic government, the, the dictator dictates everything. Whereas socialism, the idea, and now I'm putting that in quotes, the idea of socialism is about the power. We've never seen true actual socialism. But that's, that's, so that's the main reason. Because fascism is going to stay in power and make a shit ton or a, a fuckload of money based on the back. Of an autocratic leader that way. Does that make sense? That does. Thank that you. That yeah. your question. Sorry, yeah. I was a little long-winded there. You I'm long-winded? Cool. Never. As a teacher what should. Joe, not not Joe Camp, other Joe. Fuck you, man. You're long-winded. It's because it's because you guys don't do your research, and so I'm like stuck here with nine fucking pages of research, and I'm like, dude, hey, let me come up with this, and you guys are like, <laughs> yes, no, I didn't come up with that. <laughs> you know, well, fuck, I got I got to talk oh. again. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about at all. Yeah, said three words. Anyways. So- <laughs> So, so uh, Butler is going to go, and and he is going to... He's got this decision he's got to make, right? He's got to figure out, does he go along with this fascist takeover, or does he not? And he is a true blue American. So, he says, fuck you, and he doesn't. Now, d- anybody know the first place that he goes? He doesn't go to the government right away. Again, don't God, do your no. fucking research. So, he goes to a reporter named Philadelphia Liberal Reporter and his name is Paul Johnson. Hugh Johnson. Hugh S. Johnson. Huge ass <laughs> Johnson.
4: Sorry, I had, <laughs> but I had to
0: it's his name is Paul Comley French. And uh so he gets this guy and this dude see Smelly Butler's fucking brilliant. And so the reason why he goes to this reporter is, is like, yo, I need a third party. I need somebody else to corroborate this. I can't be the only one that goes up to Congress and is like, ooh, ooh, the fascist. Look, fucking shit's happening. That's happening. And they're all going to be like, hey, you're fucking nuts. So they need somebody else. So this guy, uh, Paul Comley French, right? That's his name. Yes, Paul Comley French. He meets McGuire and he pretends to be like super duper anti Roosevelt, And he gets McGuire to open up. And he actually gets McGuire to say this particular phrase. He says this quote. We, this is what McGuire says to him, we need a fascist government in this country to save the nation from the communists who want to tear it down and wreck all that we have built in America. The only men who have the patriotism to do it are the soldiers and Smedley Butler is the ideal leader. He could organize a million men overnight. So now he's got a second witness. And from there, Smedley Butler moves on to, uh, what's his face, Hoover. Hey, who's another guy that we should do a whole episode on? Well, yeah, J. Edgar yes. J. Edgar Hoover. The, the, yeah, not the uh, vacuum guy. Um, Hoover. He <laughs> Hoover. He think. was your body remover. There you go. Anybody? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And so they finally go, and he brings it up, and they they have these committee hearings. Uh, the the Huac, the the House of Un-American Activities. <laughs> Anybody? Uh, the first committee. Did anybody come up against the name of the first committee? I'm gonna say no. Probably isn't. No, no. Joe, did you? No, no. you fuckers! No, it's no. called the the McCormack no. Dickstein Committee. I just,
4: oh yes, yeah, no, the, I the, that, the yeah. Dickstein.
0: I don't know we if don't it's know Dickstein know. or Dick Stein, Dick Dick uh but the Dickstein Committee. Yeah. Dick so, so uh, and they're gonna talk about Hughes Johnson. Uh, at the Dickstein committee. Yeah. It's <laughs> like your sense of disappointment when you ask that question. I and was fucking dying in. for somebody to be like, <laughs> nobody, uh, but no, again, you guys did not do your <laughs> fucking. Yeah. So it's what about the response? Did anybody get see the response of the media?
4: Anything? I know it I, I know it was on the uh, it was on the New York Times. Um, it did. It did make its rounds. It was. I think it was on the front page, but it wasn't like the main whole story. No, and yeah,
0: that. and then it was also the New York Times. Like the initial reporting it. from the New York Times said uh, they had quotes like "perfect moonshine, a fantasy, and it's all a joke, a publicity stunt." And so originally it gets shot down as just pure horseshit and don't believe it, but. The, the 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 committee after they hear Butler's testimony, after they hear French's testimony, and then they bring McGuire into it, and they they look at McGuire and they're like, "This dude's full of shit." They actually start to and to research it and look and and one of the last things that they come up with is the congressional committee informs Congress after it's done its investigation and it says it had received evidence that certain persons had made an attempt to establish a fascist organization in this country. There is no question that these attempts were discussed, were planned, and might have placed, might have been placed in execution when and if the financial backers deemed it were expedient. So the committee, after their research, found out that Butler was a hundred percent right. That is what essentially, the, not essentially, but takes us from being conspiracy theory to being straight up conspiracy to overthrow the United States government. Fact happened, uh, was about to happen, was planned, was talked about.
1: It was planned. It was
0: absolutely planned. You know.
1: But then everyone backed off and they just said, no, we were just spitting we were and spitting bull and ideas. Abso-
0: mm-hmm. There was nothing
1: serious yep. about it. And
0: they... they, We're just talking here. Yeah, and that was it. They were like, ah, yeah. LaGuardia, Mayor LaGuardia of New York called it a uh, a cocktail push. And they were like, hey! they were just drinking cocktails and... Just shoot yes, the, the breeze, overthrowing yeah, the government. A, yeah, that's the ticket. Right? We weren't really. What me? I was fucking kid, man. I love America. Yeah, let's go. You, you know.
4: <laughs> we've had plenty of cocktail America. cocktail parties in our days, boys. And uh, I don't remember us over talking about I'm not, I might everybody.
1: have. Well, we talked about some. I very well, stuff, I, but
2: uh, not that. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. We got some. Yeah, dude, you, Mike. I <laughs>
0: I was definitely a bit more radical in my teens, man. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sign off on that one. I think I, I'm going to put money on the fact I that, that I probably that. did. I, I'm a witness
1: to that.
2: I absolutely love the band, and uh, take this with a grain of salt. But some of us listened to Rage Against the Machine a little
3: harder than <laughs> <laughs> others. A little bit too much.
2: <laughs> some were a little too hyped when certain songs came <laughs> on. You know yeah, right? what I mean? That's it's like, lighter. hey, we're all moshing here, but you look a little too excited. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. I'm taking fucking notes, <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: I believe that Joe actually. I believe in the inside of Joe's locker in high school. You had a sticker that had Adolf Hitler with a gun in his mouth, right? And it, it said uh, on the sticker, "Follow the leader." Follow yes. the leader. Yeah, I, I remember. Holy shit, I do I remember, remember that. that. Yes, yeah, that's right.
1: I gotta you find that yeah, locker. Man.
0: <laughs> you you had uh, you you had, I think it was follow your leader or something like that. Yeah, that I re- follow, follow your, your leader. leader. Yeah, right? that was yeah. fucking great, man. Was. So you were in, you know. Uh, high school telling Nazis to kill themselves. Way to go, man. I'm proud of you.
1: It's a good job. No, not me. Yeah, you, I would never.
0: You, I don't know. Look, you, man. You, I'm a respectable no, adult. No, no, I don't care how old you are. If you see a Nazi, punch him. In fact, I've told my students that. <laughs> I, I've told them point blank this year. You see a Nazi, you punch him in the face. I mean, I don't give a shit what happened. You fucking punch a Nazi. <laughs> Wait, side
1: story. I was just telling my students about this. It was pretty funny. In high school, I had this shirt. I Dan, I don't know if you remember it, but. It said "fuck white supremacy." Yeah. That was it. The whole shirt said "fuck I, I white supremacy." And what? One of my teachers was like, "Yo, you gotta, you gotta take that off. Like, you, you can't have." I was like, "No, fuck you!" He's like, "Well, if you don't take it off, I'm gonna cover it up." He's like, oh. "I was like, all right, cover it up then." So he put a piece of tape over the "fuck" part. So it just said "white supremacy." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what, Bravo? That's brilliant teaching right there." I got you. So I had to change my shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you like what are you a white supremacist what the fuck dude oh man that's great dude
4: you should have you should have put a question mark at the bottom of it yeah a question
0: mark he, he could him. have at least just covered up the U. you know what I mean like <laughs> and you could have just made like an asterisk right there or something the final outcome of this attempted coup ladies and gentlemen is drumroll
1: nothing, nothing
0: not a fucking thing nothing happens nobody's prosecuted
1: yep. no depositions nothing. no charges nope. they weren't no prosecutions they weren't
0: even called to testify and in fact the quote from smedley butler is and i quote like most committees it has slaughtered the little and allowed the big to escape the big shots weren't even called to testify and nothing happened and that audio that we played in the beginning of the episode was him speaking to the american people it was him speaking to congress about this is what i had learned and even after everything was corroborated and it was proven that what he was telling congress was in fact an actual plan put forth by what we would call the 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 captains of industry to inflate their wealth and destroy american democracy at the very same time and essentially cozy up and side with benito mussolini and adolf hitler as world war 2 was getting ready to gear up they decided no, yep. Now we're just going to leave it. And in fact, people like Prescott Bush, who were involved in this, ended up becoming a United States senator later on. People joined, these people, some of these people joined the government afterwards, which let's talk about today, right? We have some of the individuals that played a big role in the January 6th insurrection two years ago are now the head of the Freedom Caucus of the Republican Party, who have now gotten so many uh, concessions from Kevin McCarthy in order to get their vote to become the House leader that the Freedom Caucus, the very people who orchestrated the insurrection two years ago, have now more power than the Speaker of the House two years later. And the cycle repeats. I don't know, man. It's a fucked up story. Because
4: we don't learn the lesson. That's the problem. We suppress the history we didn't learn a thing from it. And so therefore, we will
0: repeat the process over and over until Dude, we've it's learned. it's scary. And fascism is not something you want to fuck with, man. It it's really, really, really not. It's really, really... Nobody wins in fascism. Literally. Like, look at Mussolini. Look at Hitler. The people did not win. They didn't fucking win. Mussolini was literally yeah. ripped limb from limb after they hung him. They... Tore his body apart, like that's insane. Hitler, I, I don't know if I really believe that he shot himself. I don't. I don't think he did. I honestly believe that he made it out to South America, but that's a, a topic for a whole another discussion. The Argentine
1: conspiracy bell, conspiracy bell.
4: No, did, didn't they make a movie of it? There was a man that uh, killed and Hitler Bigfoot. and yes. then killed yes, It was.
2: You- <laughs> yeah. was a uh history channel had a whole series finding finding hitler Hitler, and tim tim kennedy was the host of it going down to argentina trying to find hitler and he he unofficially he he doesn't he never answers the question uh but he's been asked a lot of times on do you think hitler died here he's like the official story is the official story what do you think he goes and, I, oh, man, I wish I remember exactly what he said, but his allu- he alludes to the fact that he thinks he personally, through his own research, thinks yeah. Hitler got out. They, and Hitler went down. They, they said it on there. the
0: show, and the guy was like, look, I, I'm just going to be putting out the, in, the, the evidence that we found. He said there's more evidence to suggest that Hitler made it out than there is to suggest that he really died the way that we believe that he died. And he's like, I'm not saying that's the yeah. official story about what happened, but he's like, I'm just telling you. There's more evidence to suggest that he got out, which is insane if you think about it. The the not uh, the the communist Stalin had what he said was a skull. Not to get too far into it. Anyway, but we'll leave it that for another episode. But I'd like to leave you guys, or at least let me. I really kind of yeah. want to hear what you said about Stalin with the skull. I'm like, ooh, no, I'm, intrigued. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not... <laughs> what do you
1: got?
4: Come on,
1: just give us. I want to bring it back to January 6th for Easy, a second. Okay. Too. Oh, okay. Go oh, yeah. ahead. Let's rewind it. Um, what's you know what's disturbed me about this 1933 plot number 1 is i've never heard of this before you guys suggested it and i looked it up so it w- it's been a race from the history books yeah. um but this was 1933 yeah. right 2021 you have videos cell phone videos security camera videos eyewitness accounts all this shit happening and and we still have Reporters and politicians saying, "Oh no, it, it was just a protest." Yeah, they, you know, they stood in the barricades inside the Capitol. The, they opened it, the doors. They let them in. What everyone said. Yeah. They yeah. let them in.
4: Of that story, and
1: it's like, yeah, you know, if if it's 2021 and you are still not seeing this, that's fucking yeah. scary. That's sad and or scary. Or Ashley Babbitt. You know what I mean? So what. It, what is it going to be in in a hundred years or or whatever when is this going to be in the history books, like are they going to talk about it
0: this way, it or is
1: it going to just be like, "Oh, it was just a little protest, and I'll and tell that's you that, what you know because
0: that's what bothers here, here's me. the thing, and uh this is an old history thing. What do you call a failed coup attempt?
1: Nothing, you don't talk about it
0: call it a trial run Trial. <laughs> right, go a trial run that's and ominous. the thing is, and this yeah. is what i I've told my students quite a few times it's not. You know, January 6th, yeah, 2021, like that was a crazy day in American history. What we really got to worry about is is January 6th, 2025. That's what we got to worry about because we got to figure out what precedent did that set, right? Is it going to happen again? And that's the scary part. And so to answer your question of what's it going to look like in 100 years, it depends. It depends on if it succeeds next time because if it succeeds next time, that's going to look like, um, uh, that's going to look le- that's going to look like Lexington and Concord in the way that we talk about that in the history books.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the
0: you know, rebirth. I, I think right. If you think about this, just the difference
4: from 1933, and we were talking about how nobody was, you know, nobody got in trouble. No one served at any time. There's people that are are imprisoned right yep. now for what happened yep. on January 6th. And yeah, but it, thankfully. We, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're one step closer to making sure that we don't repeat this process. I don't know, though.
0: We didn't no. just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it but, didn't happen. But Mike, let me, let me counter you. That's exactly what we did. But let me counter it. this with you. And when we go back to that statement that I, I read earlier, like most committees, it has slaughtered the little and allowed the big to escape. Right? So who's in jail? True. Very true. Who's in jail? The yeah. foot soldiers are in jail, right. and not yeah. any of the people. The foot soldiers. None of the exactly. people that orchestrated it for real. Not the, not the bigwigs. the politician no. who was egging them on from in front of the White House. Or not the, him, the people but, who were, you know, yeah. Marjorie Taylor, you know, Marjorie Nazi Green and all that. None of them. None of them are held <laughs> a, accountable whatsoever. You know, or yeah, have even been called to be, to be, you know, called it to question, to answer. Right? Andy Biggs and Gosar and all those guys. You know, like, none of them. Have even been you know what I mean like they' none of them have even been asked to speak for themselves in their potential role in that, so I don't even know so but i, I do have a um I have a good quote that I'd like to end us off with from from schmedley Butler from his book War is Racket, if you guys don't mind it says um i spent oh, i spent thirty three years and four months in active military service. And during that period, I spent most of my time as a high class muscle man for big business, for Wall Street and the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster for capitalism. I helped make Mexico, and especially Tampico, safe for American oil interests in nineteen fourteen. I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the national city bank boys to collect revenues in. I helped in the raping of a half a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. I helped purify Nicaragua, Nicaragua for the International Banking House of Brown Brothers in 1902 to 1912. I brought light to the Dominican Republic for the American sugar interest in 1916. I helped make Honduras right for the American fruit companies in 1903. In China in 1927, I helped see to it that standard oil went on its way unmolested. Looking back on it, I might have given Al Capone a few hints. The best he could do was operate his racket in three districts. I operated on three continents.
1: What a fucking badass! Bad I love it, motherfucker, right there. Hence, seriously. why he was the
0: worst possible fucking person for them to ask to lead a revolt <laughs> in the name of unadulterated <laughs> capitalism to overthrow a democracy for fascists who he hated. <laughs> you know, like wrong fucking choice, man. You know, I'd... seriously, well, they,
4: they figured that he was a puppet and that he would do whatever they say. That's why they did it. And if they would have. You'd be sitting here talking they about a placed story. their
0: bet on his wallet on him being more attracted to his wallet than for the actual love of democracy, you know and and he was not about to give up democracy for a bank account or his mortgage or his children's college funds because that's what, essentially what he was offered, you know or eighteen thousand dollars at the time, and so yeah, so Smedley Butler was the wrong was the wrong bet on these fucking fascists. You know, they can't never seem to get it right, you know, and uh, thank God, you know, let's just hope anyways. So I think, gentlemen, I think we hit this pretty fucking hard. Uh, anybody have anything else they'd like to add to it?
1: There's more history out there than what's in your books, folks. That's what you should take from this. There's way more history out there. Yeah,
0: Joe, I think you just found our new punchline or a new catch line for the show. There's way more history than in the books. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I yeah. like that.
2: You, I like that a lot. Patented, yeah. Sorry. There what it is, is copyrighted.
0: copyrighted. <laughs> there is way, there's more Copyright. history out there than in your books. Is that what it is? No? Sure. Okay. Well, we well, I mean, was that, that, that. that the direct quote? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that is. on the shirts. Hold <laughs> well, on. Well, can,
2: can you own the set, the phrase if you don't even know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I go to the recording. Wait. Let me write this <laughs> yeah. down real quick. <laughs> you, <laughs> need to, you need to write it down and then hold it up against your camera so I can just read it off of there, and that would be a lot easier for me. If you if you if there you, if got you got can get it, that would be great. So.
2: There's more history. There's than more what's in history the
0: than what's in the books. I like it very much. All right, guys. I think we nailed it. Good job, uh, you're for uh, I for myself and everybody else here at uh, the Story of Podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. And please, if you rate us, please give us five stars, or just don't bother fucking rating. That would be much appreciated. Yeah, point eight. That's, like that's that fine that too. Because you know,
1: or rate however you want. Because you're your
2: own. No, person. don't be
0: be a decent fucking person and give five stars.
1: We are not a fascist organization, so you can no. That is
0: mean. that is what I'm going to go full fascist on that one. Don't fucking do it unless you're going to get five. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you. And so, uh, and everybody out there in in uh, Brooklyn, New York, a shit ton of our listeners in New York or Brooklyn. So, Joe, I just imagine that's probably you at work. But I appreciate your your support there. That's pretty cool. And uh, Sweden, we see you. Yeah, I did that. <laughs>
3: thank you. Joe. That was good, man
0: so guys thank you very much stay out there stay you and stay weird adios fuckers